So one of the places we've loved to visit as a family over the years has been a place called Padley Gorge near Hathersage. It is just a magical place. The, the rippling stream, the boulders and the waterfalls, the gentle craggy hills that slope away, the rich woodland walks alongside the water. It, it really is a beautiful spot and we're so thankful that it's on our doorstep. Uh, I, I would have so loved to have filmed this talk actually at Padley Gorge, but isolation and all that, it's best to be sensible and stay home. So you've seen some pictures there. We're continuing our reflections in Psalm 23. And when I read verse 2 particularly, Padley Gorge is the kind of place that my mind's eye wanders to. David here pictures himself as a sheep, well looked after by a good shepherd in a place like this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters under the watchful care of this super diligent shepherd the sheep are completely secure from any threat and being safely nourished and having their thirst quenched by cool waters there are a few things i want to highlight as we unpack this picture in verse 2 of refreshment and the first thing I want us to notice is the shepherd's initiative in caring for the sheep under his protection. David says here, he makes me lie down and he leads me beside. I, I, I don't think David had to say it in quite that way. And I think that implies that he's not just emphasising here that he's a very happy recipient of high quality shepherding. He's telling us this in this way to draw attention to the greatness of the shepherd that he knows. And the second thing is that when we appreciate who David is, I think this picture really starts to come to life. As a younger man, David had worked as a shepherd himself, so he's deeply familiar with a scene like this one. But the image of a shepherd was also a widely used metaphor in this ancient world for kings. So one aspect of being a good king was the ability and the desire to protect and look after and provide for the people that you were king over and that were under your care. To be a good leader was to, to be like a shepherd. But I think that makes this psalm even more remarkable because having been a shepherd, David himself also rose to become the king of Israel. Psalm 23 is therefore written by the original shepherd king. And isn't it striking that as David looks around for a picture that might communicate something of the intimacy and refreshment of his own relationship with God, this is where he lands. Thirdly, I think all of this puts a particular spin on the picture of refreshment that David portrays here because David isn't just describing a nice relaxing holiday here or a picnic at Padley Gorge. This is a man 
who has fought bears and wild animals to protect his own sheep. This is the guy who cut off the head of Goliath, the giant, after stunning him with his slink. This is the veteran warrior of bloody battles against the Philistine armies who were a constant threat and a thorn in Israel's side. When I think of David in that light, I'm thinking more of someone like a Mel Gibson in the film Braveheart or a Bruce Willis in the Die Hard films or Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. The fact that this idyllic scene is being painted by such a powerful and dynamic king is very striking. I think what David is doing here, he's, he's describing that for him to function as a man, for him to function as a king, for him to live his life effectively and to the full, he needs more than anything else to be inwardly refreshed himself first. And this is essentially his story. David is telling us that though his life has been hard at times, at the very core of his inner being, the loving, refreshing security that God has given to him has been the inward fuel that has driven his outward activity. Now, I, I hope that we've already been getting this idea that Psalm 23 is a kind of detox. And here's another aspect of that that should be immensely helpful to us. It occurred to me, actually prepared for this talk, that the previous two talks and this one, they almost go together to make up a little connected trilogy. The, these words were written around 3,000 years ago, and yet they're so incredibly relevant to the kind of things that we feel even now in 2020. For example, our modern culture is often so rampantly individualistic, and yet we've heard David here talk about belonging. We can also so often be gripped by consumerism and materialism, and we've heard David speak too of contentment. And isn't it the case that we can so often be incessantly busy? And yet here David, even as a tough guy king, speaks of his own personal need for and enjoyment of rest and refreshment. So I think David here speaks right into our noisy world that often has this threefold smell about it of me, 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 my, 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 and busy, 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 with this wonderful picture of intimacy with and satisfaction in and dependence on God, his great shepherd. I think actually we can go further still than even that, because here David senses that God himself, as his great shepherd, is actually passionate about refreshing him. Do you think about God in that way? Do you think of God being passionate for you to belong to him and for you to know him and to know the security and provision and refreshment that he brings 
and that will enable you to flourish. Now, in relation to busyness, I think this period of lockdown has affected all of us in different ways. For some people, this has been quite an enjoyable enforced rest. And uh, no need to feel guilty if that's you. But for others, of course, it, this, this period has meant more busyness than we've ever experienced. We've seen those working in health or social care being pushed to extreme limits and great stress. Some of our friends will be parents of young children and have suddenly been thrust into full-on homeschooling and trying to fit in all other aspects of life around that full-time job. But even before we were in lockdown, and I hope we'll think about this after we come out of lockdown, how do you know if you're too busy? Do you always feel in a hurry? Is your to-do list way too long? Or do you have so many lists that you need a master list to keep track of all the sub-lists sub that you're trying to work to? Do you feel guilty when you relax? If you have a day off, are you using them to catch up on work that you didn't get finished when you were at work? Are you the kind of person who only stops if you get ill? Perhaps you find it hard to say no and find your time being consumed by the needs and demands of other people around you. Here's my main thought from this verse 2 of Psalm 23. I, in this world, I think we generally work in order to be able to rest. I think that's our mentality. But actually, David is reminding us here of the need for us to rest and be refreshed in order to be able to work effectively. I think we could summarize this with a statement, something like this. Restful security always comes before effective activity. I wanna highlight with you a couple of areas in life, practically where we know this principle to be true. And the first is the way we grow. In the last few years, many of you will know that there's, there's been lots of research into how children develop emotionally. And uh, I, I don't know if we need that research to know this, but the research is there anyway, that the one fundamental crucial issue for children is the formation of secure relationships. We know, we've always known, that it's really important that children are loved and secure as they grow up so that they can develop into well-rounded and secure adults. If that solid foundation is dysfunctional or is missing in some way, it can have a profound effect on a person's whole life. In one extreme example, I remember talking with one person who with tears told me that their dad had seemed to take great pleasure in reminding them constantly how lazy they were 
and there's a kind of soundtrack to their life as they're growing up, you'll never amount to much. And for this person, the root of their crazy, frantic, driven busyness was that their whole life had become a kind of mission to prove their dad wrong. It was just there in the background all the time, driving their behaviour. It's possible, of course, as adults to find help in overcoming some of these kinds of issues and to develop perspectives that are healthier. But the fact remains, doesn't it, that security as we grow is utterly crucial to healthy behaviour and healthy relationships later on in life. I think secondly, this principle is seen in the way that we work too. And there's perhaps two aspects to this that we also, I think, just seem to intuitively know. First of all, I think we know the difference between good bosses and bad bosses. When bosses are insecure or on some kind of power trip, we we just know, don't we? And they get on our nerves and we might obey them perhaps grudgingly because we have to, but we don't respect them. But then in life, occasionally we'll come across others who seem to inspire us and without even knowing why, we're glad to work cheerfully because it just clicks. What is it that makes us instinctively know the difference? A few years ago, an American author called Jim Collins wrote a great book called From Good to Great. And in this book, he tried to identify some of the things that might make a company really excellent in its performance. He, he had a whole team of um, researchers uh, that helped him with this project and they studied hundreds of companies and they found some striking patterns, lots of things. But what, one of the things was that the really great companies that they identified all tended to have leaders that were self-effacing and who were concerned primarily about the well-being of the organisations they served. So Collins and his team interviewed many people, lots of employees and staff in these businesses, and they concluded that when things went well, the good leaders were the kinds of people who gave the team credit. And when things went badly, they instinctively took the blame as if, it's, as if it was their responsibility. But then on the other hand, there were, there were other CEOs who were what we might call celebrity CEOs. And they tended to love the prominence and the status and the power. They loved to take the credit, but nothing was ever their fault. And their work essentially consisted of them building empires almost to bolster their own identities. Whereas the first set of CEOs seemed much more to be doing their work from a place of security rather than to gain some kind of status that was missing. And as a result, these uh, leaders were, they were more human they were more inspiring, they were easy to, easier to follow. And these leaders tended to create healthier and longer lasting cultures around them 
that continued long after they'd moved on. Now it's easy to pick on our bosses and I, I, a second aspect of, of work is that as much as this can be true of bosses, I want to suggest that our own work too is deeply affected if we confuse what we do with our value as a person. Our work will always be driven if we're using it to try and prove or demonstrate our worth and identity. If, if the work that you do is the result of an inner need to be validated and recognised, you, you'll always be afraid of failing and less effective perhaps in doing the work in front of you for its own good sake. So I'm just trying to briefly demonstrate that both in life and in our work, we do know, we do know deep down that we all function best when we're coming from a place of security and refreshment rather than frantically trying to find it in our lives. But this principle is also very relevant spiritually. So let's think thirdly and lastly about the way we worship too. David's picture here of the careful protection of the shepherd and the secure refreshment of the sheep is a wonderful visual aid that I think can really help us to grasp the precious truth of the Christian message. Let me try and say it like this. I, I think it's fair to say that most religions work on the basis of performance. I think often this is our default mechanism in, in life generally. But religions work like this. Whatever God is being worshipped always seems to be saying to us something along the lines of, if you obey me, then I'll love you. And of course, in this model, we therefore can only gain the rest we desire by working hard to obtain it. The work comes first in order to deserve the rest. I, I, all religion works on this principle. Do this and you'll be in. Accept Christianity. It is very intriguing to me. Jesus himself said when he came into the world, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Isn't it a kind of refreshment that God should reach out to us when we are undeserving, even in our sins and weakness and failure, and say the opposite? to that which religion says to us, Jesus comes to us and says, I love you and therefore you can obey me. Christ comes to us as we are clothed in compassion 
and kindness and forgiveness. In our natural state, we are guilty before his beautiful, holy nature. And our moral shortcomings, if you like, would separate us from God forever. But motivated by his great passionate love for us, God has found a way to remove the threat of our condemnation by sending Jesus to bear the consequences of our sins on the cross. We might say that God is a shepherd-like king who is utterly passionate about providing for us the rest and security of an everlasting salvation and relationship with him. In Jesus, God brings us into a refreshing, secure place to live life out of and to face life from that no one can ever take away. So we're hearing David here in Psalm 23 massage this truth into our hearts. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Two quick things to remember here then for us to take away. First of all, practically, none of us can or should run on empty. During this period and beyond it, please have a think about your level of busyness and try to make sure that you are balancing that with getting good rest so that the things you then do are coming from a good place rather than coming from an empty, bad place. And spiritually, don't fall into the trap of working in order to get rest. Rest in order to work. Trust in what Jesus, the heroic and passionate shepherd, has done for you through his death and resurrection. And then, trusting in him, get on with living and working and serving from that refreshing place, basking in the security of his love and ever free from the threat of abandonment. <laughs>